Let us turn in God's word this morning to Psalm 73. Psalm 73. We read this in connection with the fourth petition. Give us this day our daily bread. Read Psalm 73 entitled A Psalm of Asaph. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked for there are no bands in their death but their strength is firm they are not in trouble as other men neither are they plagued like other men therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain violence covereth them as a garment their eyes stand out with fatness they have more than heart could wish they are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters as a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my, my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, Thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant, I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven? But thee, and there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near. To God. 
I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired word. May God bless the reading of his holy scriptures unto our hearts. It's on the basis of Psalm 73 and many other passages of scripture that we find the instruction of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 50. Question 125, which is the fourth petition? Give us this day our daily bread. That is, be pleased to provide us with all things necessary for the body, that we may thereby acknowledge thee to be the only fountain of all good, and that neither our care nor industry, nor even thy gifts, can profit us without thy blessing, and therefore that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it alone in thee. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, this fourth petition that we consider this morning marks a transition in the Lord's Prayer. In the first three petitions of this prayer, the focus has been on God. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, and thy God's will be done. And we have seen that it is appropriate and good for us to begin our prayers according to the model prayer of Jesus in such a way, with our focus at the outset being on Jehovah and his goodness and his name and his kingdom. But now in this fourth petition, there is a shift that occurs here. Jesus Christ has concluded the petitions regarding God and now teaches us to make petitions regarding man. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts and lead us not into temptation. And Jesus is here instructing his disciples and the whole of the New Testament church that it is not only proper, but it is also necessary that we make petitions regarding the people of God. We have needs, physical needs and spiritual needs. And Jesus in these petitions is teaching us that we ought not to hide those needs. We ought not never to speak of those needs or try to even ignore them. But we who are the creatures shaped by the hand of Almighty God, may and do acknowledge our dependence upon God. We need Him. We depend upon Him day by day 
to give us our daily bread. This is a sermon then for those who worry. For those who are given to anxiety or concern about physical welfare, about health, strength, children, home. Give us this day our daily bread. Praying for daily bread. We use that as our theme. First, physical bread. Second, spiritual bread. Third, sustaining bread. We are in this petition, following the lead of Jesus Christ, praying for bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And as we seek to understand what the meaning here of this word bread is, what are we asking for when we pray for bread, we must note at the outset that Jesus Christ is teaching us to pray for physical bread, physical nourishment for our bodies. We must not, as some attempt to do, spiritualize this petition and turn this petition for bread into a petition for merely spiritual sustenance and merely a petition for spiritual nourishment. This petition is not primarily concerned about praying for the spiritual bread that comes from on high, which bread is divine, and which bread is Jesus Christ. But Jesus, in giving unto us this petition, give us this day our daily bread, is teaching us something that is so clear and so simple that even the children can understand it. We need food. If we who are earthly creatures do not have food for our bodies, then our bodies grow weak, and eventually the body gives up the ghost. And so we pray for that which is necessary for our bodies. The Heidelberg Catechism correctly interprets that word bread when it says that is be pleased to provide us with all things necessary for the body. And so there is in, in this petition a certain latitude in what we may beseech of God. Jesus, as he teaches us to pray for bread, is not saying that the only physical thing that we may ever ask of God is bread, but instead we may ask for all things that are necessary for the body. Jesus here, in using that word bread, is giving the part for the whole. The part is bread. The whole is everything that our bodies need. And so we may pray then that God grant unto us a home, shelter from the cold weather. In today's day and age where we need to be able to move from place to place, the Christian may pray that God give unto him a vehicle if he does not have one. 
included in this petition is a prayer for health and strength. If there is sickness, disease, or injury, the Christian may and ought to pray for renewed health and renewed strength. And because it is the case that God oftentimes is pleased to give us food, bread for the day by means of an income, the Christian may pray then, Father, give unto me employment. Give unto me a job so that I might earn money so that that money can be used to go purchase home and vehicle and food for the family. But although we acknowledge that on the one hand there is some latitude in what we may what we make in this petition, at the same time there is a limitation in what we ask in this petition. And the limitation is this, Jesus Christ taught us to pray for bread. He did not teach us to pray for the finest foods. He did not teach us that we have to have the largest home, that we have to have the latest technology, that we have to have every earthly or material comfort that is available upon this earth. Give us this day our daily bread, that which is necessary for our bodies upon this earth. And so the Christian prays for employment, but he does not covet the highest salary. The Christian prays for a vehicle, but the Christian does not become jealous of the person who has a nicer vehicle. Give us this day our daily bread. In this petition, Jesus teaches us to pray for daily bread. That we pray for daily bread means that this is a petition that must be made over and over again. Jesus did not teach us to pray for a week's worth of bread, a month's worth of food, much less a year's worth of earthly sustenance. But Jesus taught us to pray for bread that is necessary for this particular day. Give us this day our daily bread. Every time the sun rises in the eastern sky, the Christian must make again this petition. Father, grant me this day what I need. To pray earnestly for daily bread is very, very difficult for us to do. Especially those of us who, living in Western, affluent culture, enjoy much in the way of earthly prosperity. For the most part, man in Western culture has moved beyond being concerned about 
daily bread. Man in Western culture no longer has to worry about whether or not he's going to have food before him that particular day. Man can hardly remember a time in his life where he hasn't eaten a meal, where he's had to miss a meal because he has not had enough food. Man has his pantries and his fridges and his freezers filled with food. Man has enough food stored up in his home that he could go for days, perhaps even weeks, without having to go to the store in order to replenish the food of the home. And so man, in his imagination, believes that he has gone on to more important things that are worth being concerned about. Instead of man being worried about daily bread, man is concerned about his investments. Man is concerned about his 401k. Man is concerned about the futures market, the stock market. Man is concerned about what the price of corn will be next year or the following year. He has bigger things to worry about than whether or not this day he has his daily bread. And you know what the result is of man imagining that he no longer needs to be concerned about daily bread. The result is he becomes anxious. You see, man can't control the future. He has not an ounce of control over what the future market will be. And so when that consumes man's thoughts... What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen next week? Will the stock market stay level? Will it go up or will it go down? When those thoughts regarding the future fill a man's mind, that man or that woman becomes anxious. Jesus, in compassionate understanding of the struggles of God's people comes to us and instructs us, don't worry about tomorrow's bread. Today's bread. Grant us day by day our daily bread. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6, verse 34. Take, therefore, no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We pray for bread. We pray for daily bread. And then we pray that our Father would grant us daily bread. And notice now here that Jesus teaches us to pray using the plural voice. He did not teach his disciples to pray, grant me this day my bread, but grant us our bread. There is a communal aspect to this petition. 
presupposed from the individual who makes this petition is that this individual is keeping the second great commandment, which is love for the neighbor. If the, if the individual does not love the neighbor, has no concern for the neighbor, never thinks about the neighbor, never seeks to understand what the needs of the neighbor might be, that individual will never with sincerity petition God, grant us this day our daily bread. He might be able to expound at length what his or her individual needs are, but it is only when we live in the awareness of and are thoughtful of what are the physical needs of the neighbor that then we can from the heart pray grant us this day our daily bread. And again, beloved, do you see the love and the understanding of Jesus revealed in this? It is for your good to think about what are the needs of the neighbor. Oftentimes we become so self-focused, so many burdens that we bear as individuals, so many trials and so many hardships, that it's hard for us even to conceive of the fact that the neighbor, the person sitting right next to you, also has burdens. But when we understand that our burdens are not so unique after all, but that everyone is bearing burdens, then that puts in proper perspective the physical needs and trials that we endure as the people of God. So for the good of your soul, Jesus teaches you to pray not only for yourself, but also for the neighbor. Give us this day our daily bread. Conclusion of the Catechism teaches us that there's yet a higher purpose in this. Rather, not the conclusion, but the second line of the Catechism be pleased to provide us with all things necessary for the body. Why? That we may thereby acknowledge Thee to be the only fountain of all good. That in the deepest sense is the purpose for making this petition. Grant us this day our daily bread so that we might acknowledge that everything that we receive comes from God. That's why we pray unto God, is it not? It's not as if God is ignorant of what our particular needs are. So then we have to go to our Father and inform Him of what our needs are. It's not as if God is unwilling to supply us our needs, that he has them in his hand and he's, he's able to give them unto us, but he's only going to give them to us if then we go to him in prayer. No, God is almighty and he's able to do as he pleases. But the purpose, the reason why we go to God in prayer and ask him for our daily bread is so that we might acknowledge him 
to be the only fountain of all good. In, pr in prayer, perhaps, like as in nothing else besides, we acknowledge that God is God. That He is the great King over this earth. That He dispenses, gives to His people as He sees fit. And in prayer, we are acknowledging that to be true. The oft-repeated request that God would give us our daily bread never becomes wearisome to God. At times, we who are parents can become wearied by the requests of our children, especially a young child who has lots of curiosity going through that stage in life where they ask, why this, why that? What is the function or purpose of this thing or that thing? And after a while, the parent, burdened down with many other responsibilities of life besides, becomes wearied of the repeated questions of the child. But that is never the case for our Father in heaven. He never is so burdened down that he is wearied by the cries of his people to grant us this day the bread that we need. Rather, he delights in such a petition. This then generally is the meaning of the bread that we ask for from Jehovah God. And yet we not only ask of God that he would give to us physical bread, but we ask also of God that he would grant unto us spiritual bread. And we must here give some explanation of what is meant by spiritual bread. We are not in this second point seeking to contradict or undermine what was taught in the first point. In the first point, we emphasize that the bread that we need is physical bread. And Jesus Christ, as he gave to us this Lord's Prayer, intended that the children of God acknowledge their physical dependence upon God and seek what is necessary for the body from God. We are not now in the second point then, turning against that and saying that we don't need physical bread or that really this petition, after all, is about spiritual bread. But rather, in this second point, what we seek to understand that the work of the Holy Spirit is this, that all of this physical bread that we receive from God is of no benefit to us if that physical bread is not accompanied with God's spiritual blessings. Repeat, all of the physical bread that we receive from God is of no blessing to us if it is not accompanied by God's spiritual blessings. That's the teaching of the Heidelberg Catechism. In the middle of the answer, and that neither our care nor industry 
nor even thy gifts can profit us without thy blessing. And so we must then be able to draw a distinction between the physical blessings that God gives to us and the spiritual blessings that God gives unto us. Psalm 73 helps us with understanding that difference between physical and spiritual prosperity. We're going to look at a number of verses here from Psalm 73. Notice how in this psalm, the psalmist was Asaph, who was one of the leaders in worship, especially, especially the musical aspect of worship. Asaph was a troubled individual. Verse 3, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. That was the first thing that the psalmist Asaph did that he should not have done. He started looking around at what God had given other people. He saw what God had given the wicked. Instead of acknowledging how much God had given him, he started to turn around and evaluate how much did God give the neighbor. And then as he looked at the neighbor, he saw that the neighbor was prospering. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Verse 5, they are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Evidently, this neighboring individual had plenty of food in the pantry. Verse 7, their eyes stand out with fatness. His face had become fat with all of the food that he had eaten. Verse 7 they, this neighboring individual, have more than heart could wish. Evidently, it was the case that this neighboring individual was not, as it were, eking out an existence, living paycheck to paycheck, but this neighboring individual had great storehouses of wealth. Observing the financial prosperity of the neighbor, the psalmist Asaph became envious. The first part of verse 3, I was envious at the foolish. So envious was he that he began to stumble. Verse 2, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Asaph did not rejoice that God had given the neighbor more than what God had given him. But Asaph was troubled by this. His eyes, green with envy, lingered upon the earthly gifts that had been given to the neighboring individual. In contrast, Asaph suffered. He suffered mightily. Verse 14, 
For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. So much so was he troubled in his heart that it seemed unto the psalmist Asaph that living a holy and a pure life was worthless. Why even bother living a life of sanctification if the neighboring individual who is known to be an ungodly person enjoys far more than what I enjoy? Verse 13, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. Verse 16, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. He could hardly even bear the thought anymore of why it was that this wicked person enjoyed so much. Finally, after struggling mightily within himself, God gave to Asaph the explanation. Verse 17 and following, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How they are brought into desolation as in a moment, They are utterly consumed with terrors. What the psalmist Asaph was finally given to understand was this. There is a difference between the physical gifts that were given even unto the ungodly neighbor and on the other hand, the spiritual blessing and goodness of God which rests only upon Israel, the covenant nation. All of those physical gifts and prosperity and fatness that the wicked man enjoyed ended up being of no profit to that ungodly individual. God gave those blessings to that neighbor not because God loved that ungodly man, Not because God was showering spiritual blessings upon that man, but God gave an abundance of physical possession to that neighboring individual in order to put that person in slippery places. That wicked individual, having received an abundance of things earthly, put his hope, his trust, and his confidence in those earthly physical possessions. But in the end, In the judgment day, those earthly possessions did nothing for the redemption or the salvation of that ungodly individual. Having set his eyes upon the things of this earth, he became consumed with them. He yearned for them. He trusted in them instead of yearning for, seeking, and trusting Jehovah God. And so it is then that at last the psalmist was comforted when he understood that there's a difference between physical gifts and spiritual blessings. And always, beloved, we must be mindful of that 
And we must be reminded of that again and again. All of the bread, all of the fatness, and all of the riches that God has given unto us, if they are not given unto us with God's spiritual blessing, profit us nothing. Neither our care nor our industry, nor even thy gifts, not even God's physical gifts, profit us without thy blessing. You know what is the seriousness of understanding this. If we do not maintain that there is a distinction between physical gifts and spiritual blessings, then the conclusion is common grace. That the grace of God is given to his people in physical gifts. God gives rain and God gives sunshine to the wicked man, and God gives rain and God gives sunshine to the righteous man. And according to the proponent of common grace, because God gives those physical gifts to both the righteous and unto the unrighteous, therefore, he would say, God is giving grace to both the righteous and to the unrighteous. Which underscores then the necessity of remembering and being mindful of the fact that apart from God's spiritual blessing accompanying His physical gifts, they are of no good to us. As well, beloved, this is a call for us to receive with humility whatever good gifts, good physical gifts, God gives to us. You see, if it is the case that God's spiritual blessings are dispensed only through physical means, then the conclusion of that would mean the more physical gifts you have, the more spiritual blessings you also have. So then you're left with the person who is rich, the person who has physical health, the person who enjoys an abundance of the things of this earth, that must be the person who is spiritually blessed by God. But then the person who has little, the person who lives in poverty, the person who has illness, disease, well, that person must not be loved by God as much as what God loves the wealthy and the healthy. Then the conclusion would be God loves people in his church in America more than what God loves people in his church in the Middle East who suffer and who are imprisoned. No. We must not put an equal sign between physical bread and spiritual bread. There are times where God gives physical bread to the wicked, not because God loves them, but to put them in slippery places. 
And so let us then, as we pray for physical bread, which we do, and we make that petition earnestly, let us at the same time pray that God would give unto us His spiritual blessing, His grace and His Holy Spirit, as He gives unto us that physical bread. For us, beloved, to be able to make this petition that God would bless us spiritually, we depend upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. God gave unto Jesus Christ a body. He became flesh of our flesh. And as a human being, Jesus Christ depended upon earthly bread. He needed bread in order to nourish and sustain his physical body. He went for 40 days and 40 nights without bread, and he hungered. And the devil came to Jesus and tempted him to turn stones into bread in order to satisfy the hunger pains that Jesus felt within his body. And yet Jesus Christ, though he had that physical body, and although that physical body depended upon physical bread, yet Jesus Christ used his body for the service of Jehovah's kingdom. He gave his blessed body to be broken and crucified upon the cross. And so may God give unto us through Jesus Christ the poured out spirit of Christ, that as God gives unto us physical blessings, may he also grant unto us the pardon of our sins through Christ. And as God grants unto us this blessing, beloved, he sustains us, gives to us sustaining bread. The end of answer 125. And therefore that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it alone in thee. The catechism here assumes that we are ready by nature have misplaced our trust. We are to withdraw our trust from the creature and place it in God alone. This is so difficult for us to do. And what's especially convicting about the weakness of our faith is Oftentimes there is a difference between the trust that we have in what we'll call the big events, the grand events of life, in comparison to the amount of trust that we have in the small day-to-day events of life. We trust God in the big things. We believe that God gave us the Holy Scriptures and that they're infallible, inspired, profitable. We believe that the Holy Scriptures are without error. We believe that the Holy Scriptures contain promises and that those promises are always fulfilled. We believe that God sent His divine Son to take on human flesh. We believe that that Son died. And then the third day, God raised him according to his glorious power. 
all those things we as Christians believe without batting an eyebrow. We can believe the grand and the miraculous. But do we believe that God has control over every event in our lives? Do we believe that God has tomorrow taken care of? Do we believe that God, if it is his will, will grant us health and strength? Do we believe that God will sustain us for as long as he is pleased to have us remain upon this earth? And that afterwards he will take us across the Jordan River and will continue to sustain us as he takes us into heaven. Beloved, let us not only believe that God is capable of working through the great and the grand events recorded in Scripture, but may we also believe that God is sovereign and in control over the details of our lives. Our confidence is that God will always provide us our daily bread. He might have a different understanding of what our daily bread is than what we understand daily bread to be. If it is the case that His will for what we need is different than what we desire, then let us with humility of heart renounce our will and submit unto his will, which only is good. He might be pleased to give us only a little. He might be pleased to give us less than what he gives to the neighbor. He might be pleased to send a trial in our lives. But then let us recall that whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, whom else can we hope in and trust besides Thee? There is none in heaven above or in earth beneath that we desire besides Thee, Jehovah God. Thou art the fountain of all good, Thou art the one who dost provide us with our needs. Wilt thou take that which is physical and press it into the service of that which is spiritual. Wilt thou forgive us our sins and preserve us by thy everlasting arms. For Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.